Thank you for joining us for another podcast from the Commonwealth Club. I was going to take... Uh, okay. <laughs> I knew he was going to do that. How are you? Hi, everyone. Thank you. <clears throat> so, good evening. Welcome, everybody, to tonight's program at the Commonwealth Club. This woman is terrifying with the time thing. I know. <laughs> she looks terrifying, and she's going to have those little numbers. <laughs> The club can be found, I'm going to try to keep him in line all night, so okay. this is, the club can be found on the internet at commonwealthclub.org. That's your lead? That's my lead. My name is Joan Ryan, <laughs> so you, just so you know who you're talking to Okay, tonight, thanks, right? Joan. Um, I'm an author, formerly a sports columnist with the San Francisco Chronicle, and now I'm a um, media consultant. I'm in my 13th season at the San Francisco wow. Giants, just came there you oh, go. Oh, thank you. Thank you. How many books now? I'm working on my fifth. Fifth one comes out next year. So I'll be back on this stage, right, George? Yeah, thanks. Can I interview her? <laughs> yes, bring Rick back. Get even. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm happy to be your moderator for this program on a relevant but ultimately kind of depressing topic. No, we're going to have fun. But Rick is going to make it fun. The other night, um, I was somewhere the other night, and he goes, there was a guy sitting right in front, and he's like, I, I didn't really want to come here because I get so depressed. And, and I think I'm gonna, if I leave, don't take it personally. I'm like, no, we're going to have fun. And this is one of your few chances where we can really feel better about what an idiot this guy is. Yeah. And he's like, okay. And it's not going to matter because it's not political. It's just idiocy. And he's like, okay. And then he stayed the whole time. Oh, good. All right. So joining us, as you can tell, is Rick Riley. Um, like many of you, I have followed... Rick's career for a long time, and we were at many events. Yes, we were together. Um, you were Sports Illustrated to ESPN, member of the National Sports Writers and Sportscasters Hall of Fame, voted National Sports Writer of the Year eleven times. Anybody have more than that? Jim Murray. How many? Thirteen. Thirteen. Jim Murray, the a greatest record of all that will time. never be broken. You remember Jim Murray? Oh, the best. L.A. Times, L.A. Everything. And when we all came into the business, we all mimicked him for as long That's as right. we could we until we, we figured out who we well, were. Well, maybe we can't do that. <laughs> and Dan Jenkins. Oh, yeah. I never tried that one. I tried it. It's too hard. So USA Today called Rick the closest thing sports writing ever had to a rock star. And he's written about everything That's from sad. ice skater. Kat, you, this is a range here, Rick. Okay. Everything from ice skater Katarina Vitt behind the Iron Curtain to actor Jack Nicholson in the front row of the Lakers games, from wrestling priests in Mexico City, I missed that one, Yes. to mushers at the Iditarod, from playing golf with President Clinton to playing golf with O.J. Simpson, Yeah. and back again. That was after the incident, though. Uh, wanted, oh, it was? He called it the incident. The oh, incident, yeah. okay. <laughs> and I remember he was like, uh, so uh, I found him out there at Rancho Park playing with another guy, just two... He had no one to play with. It was just a stranger he was playing with. And I said, could I play the back nine with you? And he goes, yeah, but no questions about the incident. Because <laughs> he, uh, he got off, if you remember. I do remember. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm like, no, no questions about the incident. He goes, only golf questions. And I'm like, absolutely. I'm a sports writer. And he goes, okay. <laughs> and so my first question was, now, has your backswing changed since you killed those people? Or is it... <laughs> 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 so, to continue, um, he left sports writing four years ago uh, after publishing what you figured to be two million words on sports. Yes, I counted them up one day. Because <laughs> you know, when, it, when you have to write, you'll just do anything other than write. Have you know, oh, I got to clean the gutters. Maybe I should count how many words I've published. <laughs> yeah. Oh, maybe I should train the gerbil to, you know, jump over, whatever. And, uh, and I figured out with all the words I've published, books, screenplays, this, that. And, you know, for a while there, you were also with ESPN. They make you do so much stuff. Yeah. So I decided it was two million words. Wow. And of those two million, about 400 were any good, I think. Oh, stop. <laughs> but he's the author of 13 books, including his latest, Commander and Cheat, How Golf Explains Trump. So welcome, Rick, to the Commonwealth Club and to San Francisco. Well, I 
I just want to say, it's, you know, I've been on the book tour for three months. Ugh. I'm so sick of myself. So one time, and I, and I remember the worst moment I ever had on a book tour was in Minneapolis at the Mall of America. It was okay. snowing. <laughs> it was like a Christmas book tour or something. And they had, they had behind me, like, here was my podium. And they had 500 cookies, like, in a mountain, right, lined up like a mountain. And two <laughs> giant things of lemonade. And then they had 500 books over here. And then they had a serpentine tape that would go from where I was going to sign all through the bookstore, winding in and out. And then it came time to start, and there was one guy. <laughs> One guy. And what do you do? You still got to go through with it, right? Right. So I did my little 20-minute spiel. And at the end, he goes like this. I'm like, sir, you don't, you don't have to raise your hand. And he kept his hand up. I'm like, all right, what's your question? Can we eat them cookies? He only came for the cookies. Oh, and didn't buy a book. <laughs> yeah, no, he didn't that, buy one book. He felt so bad. He ate a lot of cookies, though. He ate a lot of cookies. He got, it, he got his money's worth, I know. And everybody thinks this is so glamorous because they don't see all of those, those moments, you know, when you're doing your book tour. But anyway, nobody's complaining about, you know. Can I tell this. one more, though? Sure. This happened on this Tell book. whatever you want. Remember Bob Ryan? Oh, of course. Great Boston sports writer. Oh, yeah. So um, my booker calls him up. Hey, would you like to do a, a podcast with Rick Riley? He goes, sure. So we, I called him, it was like last week, Friday, 12 o'clock. Bob, Rick Riley, I'm going to do a podcast with you. He says, great, how you been? We shoot the breeze for about 30 seconds. He goes, well, I'm ready when you are. I'm like, well, I'm ready when you are. And there was three minutes of excruciating silence. And I'm like, what's, what's he waiting for? I'm sitting here. Oh, maybe he's getting the equipment ready. And then after three minutes, he goes, what the hell's going on? And I'm like, I'm waiting for your question, Bob. He goes, I'm waiting for your question. He thought... I said, I'm on your podcast. He goes, I'm on your podcast. <laughs> Neither of us had a podcast. And we felt so stupid and old. And like, <laughs> that is I, pr- so... I said, you can't tell anybody the story. So I have not told anybody. So my first question. So you obviously, you have a history with Trump. So I'm interested to know when you first met him and if he did the handshake. I'm fascinated by the Trump handshake. Um. You know, we knew him for so long in the USFL. Remember, he signed Doug Flutie and then he sued the other owners because they didn't pay his salary, Flutie's salary. Like, what? Yeah. You're the other team. Yeah. He sued them. Yeah. Um, And then uh, we knew him at fights. And then uh, I remember one time he, uh, he used to come to Pebble. By the way, I can beat anybody, anybody that plays with me if they have a hard time beating me of any age. Yeah. Well, I played Pebble. He played seven times, never made the cut. And his pro made the cut four of the seven. So maybe, Donald, you're the weight. Uh, three times ran, uh, Tahoe Celebrity. I played with him once during that. And uh, he never finished in the top half. One year, he was like third from the last. These are celebrities. These are not all athletes. And you get strokes. But then that was the year he slept with both a porn star and a playmate. So he was tired. He tired. Yeah, yeah he has that. Anyway, he comes up to me at Pebble, and he's like, Rick Riley, greatest sports writer in America. This is back when he liked me. I'm like, I don't think so. I'm looking around for Jim Murray. You know, and, and, yeah, and Marla's like, he's not kidding. He loves you. Look, and she opens her purse, and he's, she's got one of my columns. In. <gasps> I'm like, holy well, shit, what is this? Scary. I want you to write a back page column about me. And I'm like, <clears throat> I don't think so. But when I did Who's Your Caddy, my book about caddying for famous people, I called him up and he said, um, yeah, I could do it. But when I got there, he had nobody to play with. So I had to play with him. But it's just crazy when you're with Trump because all of a sudden, he's int- he likes to introduce you around. He likes to show off, right? This is Rick Riley, managing editor of Sports Illustrated. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next guy I was, this is Rick Riley, publisher of Sports Illustrated. I'm like, no, why are you saying that? And he's like, he goes, uh, it sounds better. And then he's like, he's brings, Luigi, Luigi, come here. Luigi was voted best lasagna maker in the world. And Luigi's like. <laughs> <laughs> and then my buddy had dinner with him and Melania in 2016 during the campaign. And they're all having dinner. And the one wife says to Melania, where are you from? And she says, I am from Slovenia. And uh, Trump goes, say Austria. It sounds better. Oh, my God. And so she started telling people she was from Austria. And then the Slovenian press got all mad, and she got thrown under the Trump wagon. 
the pile of people there. So the first time you played golf with him, though, Rick, did you see what you eventually came to see on how he plays? Not golf? until the first hole. It was, it was, not until <laughs> not the first hole. I think it was two mulligans off the first tee. <laughs> there was something funny he did in Ireland the other day. He goes out there. He puts one ball down on the tee. Did you see this last week? So he tees up his shot, first hole. Then he has another ball next to the first one. Then he hits the first one. He likes it. Picks up the ball, puts it on the ground. Picks up the ball, puts it in his pocket. No mulligans today. Nobody gets a mulligan. Oh, except for the mulligan you had ready to go. And maybe three more in your pocket. Because the caddies told me he's always got three or four balls in his pocket. The old drop pocket, you know, move. Anyway, I've lost track of what we were talking about. So the first time, that first round of golf you played with him, oh. did you, you know, you just yes. had Oh, I number. get a mulligan there. You talked. No, I didn't. That bird felt, flew too low. One time he made a six, give me a four. I'm like, we are playing a metal bet. That's strokes, right? Like, it's for 20 bucks. Like, I, like I can't give you a four. I'm, we're playing for money. I always take one four, newspaper four, he called it. Then one time I'm in like this for par on a par five, right? I'm in like this for par, so he's going to give me this little putt for five. He's laying way off the green in five already. He picks it up. He goes, I guess that makes this good. Like, what do you mean? Is that it? Did you just take a gimme chip in? And by then, see, he's got this, he always has these golf carts with this, he he has the caddies rig the governor, so it goes really fast, which is why we've paid over 500 grand now for golf carts, because the Secret Service needs golf carts that they can rig to keep up. If he didn't do that, we could use his carts at Bedminster, Mar-a-Lago, Washington, no problem. But so when he plays Mar-a-Lago, they got to truck carts in from Miami, Jerry rig them and keep up. But anyway, did you just take a gimme chip in? And by the time you ask, he's in the super cart with the super caddy and they're off 100 yards ahead of you. And that's how he deals all his cheating. He's always 150 yards ahead, kicking it, foozling it, fudging it, foot wedging it. It's the caddies call him Pele, right? He kicks it so much that the caddies call him Pele. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so how many times do you think you've played a round of golf with him? No, no, it was no? just the ones. That's all? It was just, just the ones. Okay, so and all the other was And it was incredible. Okay. A gimme chip in and this and that. and <laughs> So Trump, everything about Trump, he's kind of like Mike Tyson like in terms of style. Like everything's gold toilets and uh, white pianos with gold trim. And so at his golf courses, he always puts in a hundred foot waterfall. Now, a hundred foot waterfall is ridiculous. So at this course we played in Westchester, the waterfall just pounding on us and they hit splashing on the green. And you're like, you're away. What? You're away. I can't. Yeah, it's a nice day. What? <laughs> and it's so stupid. So I asked Tom Fazio, who builds his courses, or used to, now he can't, he really can't handle them anymore. And he, I'm like, how do you let him put in those completely ugly waterfalls that ruin every course? And he goes, because he pays. But then you find out there's a chapter he doesn't pay. He doesn't pay people. This poor uh, painter at Doral painted this whole golf resort, got shift, shafted 300 grand. And he went there, Mr. Trump, you did not pay me my 300000 Ah, I've paid you enough, Carlos. His name was Carlos Enriquez. So this little painter and his brother sued the standing, I don't know why this was never reported, sued the standing president of the United States and won three hundred grand and fees. Yay. So Why wouldn't that get I don't reported? Know. You know, this thing with Mueller, like, oh, he's terribly conflicted. Well, the problem was Mueller put in fifty grand to join Trump. Washington, which isn't in Washington, it's in Virginia. Because when Trump bought it, he, okay, 50,000. Okay. So Trump, uh, Mueller puts in his 50 grand. Then he decides it's too far out there. He doesn't want to. So he says, okay, I'm resigning. And in his contract, everybody's contract, when you signed up, you get the money back when you quit if there's another person to take your place, like most country clubs. Trump goes, I'm not paying you. And Mueller's like, you owe me the 50,000. I'm not paying. And so Mueller let it go. But then Trump used it like, this guy's conflicted, angry, Republican, whatever he said. But it's a lot of the crap he's into starts with this lies and cheating he started in golf. Trump Jupiter, he got sued by 50 guys at Trump Jupiter when he was president, again, for $7 million because he didn't give them back their money. And it's right in the contract. 
So he lost that too. Mm-hmm. Then he repealed and lost that. And again, I didn't see anybody reporting it, but a lot of the trouble he gets into starts with his stupid moves in golf. Yeah. Well, and all, and like you said, all the lying. <clears throat> and it was interesting, somewhere in your book, you talk about how the lying became contagious <laughs> among other people. And I thought, well, that explains Sean Spicer and Sarah Sanders, right? Well, exactly. But, so uh, this guy, for three years, this, t- this crew from Golf Channel, Followed him around the country, the world, uh, for this thing called Trump's Fabulous World of Golf. And so this Golf Channel, and he goes, I said, what was it like? Well, he was fine, except that he'd always say we were from 60 Minutes. (laughs) (laughs) And he sometimes, one time we were walking through Mar-a-Lago filming him, and Trump goes, this is the crew from 60 Minutes. And he said a a group of Japanese businessmen got up and bowed. (laughs) They're from Golf Channel. Like, why isn't a crew from Golf Channel good enough? I don't yeah. know. And then those guys started to say, they were starting to say, like, yeah, we're from 60. Like, it, yeah. it, so the guy that ran the crew, he said, one day my wife came to me and says, you know, you've been lying so much. Why do you lie so much? And he realized it's from hanging around Trump. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I honestly don't think he remembers his lies. Yeah. For instance, he goes to open Trump Turnberry, right, in Scotland, which is a great course, his only great course. But it was a great course before he got it, but whatever. And he gets there the day after the Brexit vote. And he says, good for you, Scotland, taking your country back. And Scotland's like, we voted 63% against. We didn't want to do this. But anyway, he didn't hear any of that. So he's like, blah, blah, blah. And some guy threw Nazi golf balls at him. I don't know if you saw this. It was crazy, right? There's a bagpiper and it's nuts. Every day is nuts with Trump. But then he gets home. And he starts telling, I predicted Brexit. I was there the day before. And I said, you're going to take your country back. And they like, no, here's you on the newspaper the day after. <laughs> and he just does. Now he has said it three times since. Yeah. So there's something warped up there. Like, yeah. What's going on here? Like the other day, he said, my father was born in Germany twice. Like, no, it, we have he's born in Queens. <laughs> what, where does that where does that lie even get him? And I, sometimes, I really wonder with him, like, does he kind of, is he losing his mind? But his mother was born in Scotland, right? Yeah, and he said, oh, my mother was on vacation in Scotland, in America from Scotland, where she met my, my dad. No, she followed her sisters to New York to become a maid. It's called chain migration. Look it up. <laughs> that's what your mother did. Right. She was one of seven sisters. And then he, you know, very um, affectionately and... Um, as the devoted son went and visited the home that she grew up in when he was back in Scotland, correct? Well, okay, so every year this, this mother, his mother, was she still spoke Scottish uh, Gaelic. as kind of a, a brogue they had up there. She went every year, and she would always take one of the daughters, but Donald wouldn't go. Never go, doesn't care, I don't care. But then he bought this land in Aberdeen, and he needed approval from the Scottish Parliament. So all of a sudden, he wanted to rediscover his Scottish roots. Uh, and he goes, I'm Scotch, I'm which Scotch. they don't say there. They hate <laughs> Scotch. Scotch. Oh, he lands in Scotland and goes, oh, we just left the UK. It's good to be in Scotland. <laughs> like, Dude, you just ask Baron. He'll Google it in 10 seconds. <laughs> what is the problem? So anyway... So he goes to visit his mother's childhood home. By now, she's, she's gone. And the cousin's there, and they haven't seen him since he was two. And he goes in there for 96 seconds. And he goes, oh, yeah, well, good to see you. Hey, okay. He comes back out and holds a two-hour press conference. Yeah. <clears throat> a lot of uh, uh, familial uh, affection there. But the best thing about Scotland <clears throat> was the signs. Because I was there with him follow him around Scotland. Oh, really? The signs were so great. The Scottish, you think we hate him? Get a load of these Scots. And he's from Scotland. He's half Scottish. They, they would love anybody except this guy, but they hate blowhards. And he is a blowhard deluxe. So the signs were great. And so in the book, we do a little uh, Scottish, the Scottish, and then the English translation, like, Trump is a muckle gape. <laughs> it means... Uh, I know nothing. And you're clueless numpty. I don't know what that means. You're clock wanker. You're orange ball bag. Uh, King Coxsplat. And it's like, ah, oh, this is, I really need a translator. This is great. I think we should do those. I like, I like those. It was really fun. 
So one thing that, I mean, there are a lot of things I don't, I don't understand, but one of the things I really don't understand is that, you know, you went and did your reporting and there's story after story. You could have filled probably 10 volumes. Well, exactly. You story. know, half the stories, you get to the end of them and it'd be right wingers, Republican friends of mine. Like, uh, you couldn't believe what this guy did and blah, blah, blah. Right. And then I'm like, this is great. Thank you so much. Oh, you can't use it. Yeah. What do you mean I can't use it? This is fantastic. You said you hate how he cheats yeah. and it pisses you off. He goes, oh, I don't want to lose my passport. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to be audited. Exactly. So people run scared of this guy, which maybe I should be too. But, but you still got to speak up, don't you? Even if, it's, even if it's just golf. It's just golf. It's not, it really doesn't matter. But because it matters so little, it matters the most. Because it's the easiest thing to cheat at. Because it's, there's no refs in golf, right? Warriors game, we're going to have umps. Baseball, uh, refs. I mean, Warriors game, we refs, umps. Golf, there's, we call our own fouls. It's, since golf is older than the piano, golf has always been a sport of calling, of, you don't cheat your friends because it's so easy. If you're 100 yards over there and I'm 100, I trust you're not going to kick it and you trust I'm not going to throw it. But this guy is happy to cheat his friends. One friend of mine said he saw him do this. He, he thinks we're all, all he's, he says they, he thought we were all over on this side of the fairway, but I'm behind him and I can see what he's doing, but he, and he's near the green behind a hill and he hits this, but he's got the ball in his right hand. Fake chip runs up. I hold it, pulls the ball out of the oh hole. My God. Yes. One guy caught him doing the old lick your marker, put it on the bottom of the putter, go down to pretend you're marking your ball, but you pull the. You slide the marker off four feet ahead. So there's nothing now here. Ball's in your pocket, but the marker's now four feet ahead. For an eight-foot putt, four feet. That's why he's my pick to win at Pebble Beach. <laughs> because he's won, he's won tournaments where he didn't even play in them. <laughs> I know, yes. So why do people put up with it? Why would anybody want to play golf with this guy? Well, I asked a lot of people that. And a lot of people say, Donald. Screw you. You can't cheat. We're playing for money. And he goes, ah, he'll say either like, ah, oh, my friends do it all the time. And, and if, they, if you don't cheat, you're, you're not going to be able to keep up with them. And I honestly think that's a really good metaphor for his whole life. He thinks he's going to, you're going to cheat him right. before he cheats you. You know, his dad didn't play. He learned the game at this really rough kind of needs a shave and a new shirt course in Philly called Cobbs Creek. Huh. And it was it's a famous place where like Titanic Thompson played. And there's, there's a group of guys there that, that try to con you. Like you'd be looking for your ball and you find out it's under his foot, you know, and all kinds of stuff and tricks like bet you a hundred dollars. I can make this putt. And the night before they laid a hose out on the green and the water, the hose. And there's that little imprint that no one can see except the guy that hits it. So there's all kinds of tricksters at this course. And somehow he got the idea. I can cheat you because you're going to cheat me. Because I think he's sick in the head and he's got to win at all things. And so golf is the perfect sort of thing for that because he can beat you on the first hole and go, I kicked your ass. And the second hole and the third hole. So that's what he does sometimes. Then sometimes the guy will go, Trump will be like, you owe me, he played my buddy. He said, you owe me $27. And my buddy goes, I'm not paying. You cheated on every freaking hole. And he goes, it's okay. I got a hot girlfriend and a white Rolls Royce. And he walks off. <laughs> You know Sam Farmer, the NFL writer? He took 10 bucks off him, which is rare. And Trump gets out the 10, and it just takes forever. And he gives it, and Sam's like, okay, thanks. He can't get the 10 out. Wow. He goes, I thought the 10 was going to rip. <laughs> he just can't stand to lose, and it doesn't matter. I talked to the psychiatrist. He said, you don't understand. Narcissists don't feel shame. Mm. They just have to win. He said, he said, him losing or not being number one, not just losing, being number one is like a bath to the wicked witch of the West. Mm. Like it's going to kill him. Mm. And, he, and so you got to keep that in mind when you hear him say crazy shit. He's got to be all that, that bucket of self-esteem is just constantly leaking and it's got to be filled up. Like, I guess I should take that as a compliment, even when it's not, because he needs that over and over. And how, I don't know how that started. And how does it not catch up with him? Like, I'm sure when you read that he was going to run for president, I mean, what was your reaction when he declared his candidacy? 
well, this is why I had to give up retirement and I didn't want to. I'm living in Italy. I'm retired. I'm living in there three months a year or at the beach, screwing around, reading all those books I said I read and I never really read and paddleboarding and learning to play piano and speak Italian. It was great. And I just was so happy. But then I kept seeing on my phone, hey, I'm Donald Trump and I'm a winner because I've won 18 club championships yeah. against the best players in the club. That's, that's the young guys. And that's with no strokes. I'm like, you liar. You already told me how you did it, which is that whenever he buys a new course, he was so proud of this, by the way. Whenever I buy a new course, I play the first round by myself with Melania. And, you know, I'm going to win that. And so that's the club championship. And he puts, <laughs> puts his name on the wall. So I started looking into it like, so I started calling people at clubs I knew. Like, oh, yeah, one time he came in and he saw who would won while he was gone. He's like, oh, I beat that guy all the time. Make me the champion. So poor Joe Schmo's name comes off and they put Donald Trump's name up. And then uh, Golf.com reported that he was in the Phili uh, Singapore with Kim Jong-un and they were holding the club championship in Mar-a-Lago and he couldn't make it. And a guy named... Um, uh, Ted Virtue, who was the money guy behind the movie Green, uh, Green Book, okay. uh, wins it. And so, fine, month goes by. Trump comes back. He sees Ted. Ted, congratulations. You won the club championship. Yeah, thanks, Mr. President. You know, when you're with the president playing golf, there's 30 golf carts. There's one cart that's got the missile. There's the thing that's got the port-a-bomb shelter. It looks like a portalette, but it's on its side, and they throw the president in there. If, he, if they have to. Seriously? Yeah, and there's a cart with the vials of blood, and there's the nuclear bomb, and there's this guy, and the chief of protocol, and that. This goes from hole to hole? Hole to hole. No matter where he plays. Correct. That's why we spend so much freaking money on his golf, plus the Air Force One and all that. So anyway, oh he sees virtue from two, three holes over. Come on. And all 30 golf carts and Secret Service and Uzis and SWATs and Marines, and they all come up on Ted Virtue and go... And Trump goes, but you didn't really win it because I didn't play in it. He says, like, huh, yeah, it's funny, Mr. President. No, we're going to play the last six holes. He's like, what? We're going to play the last six holes for the real championship. He's like, what crazy world is this? And Ted's like, well, <laughs> I can't. I have my son here with me. Oh, he can play. And so they go off to play the last six holes. They go to this par three with water in front. Trump hits it in the water. They see the ripples, splash or ripples. <laughs> the two virtues hit it on the green. Super Mario Kart is way ahead. <laughs> By the time they get there, Trump and his caddy are lining up the kid's ball. Kid's like, hey, that's my ball, Mr. President. Oh, the caddy's like, no, this is the president's ball. You went in the water. Oh, and they're like, no, I didn't. And <laughs> Ted goes, oh, don't worry about it. And that was a new ball. We'll get you a new ball. And then Trump makes the putt, and then he wins the championship, and now, yeah, and then Trump. So This is true. So was, This was not even my story. This was golf.com. Unbelievable. Was there a, so did you think you were going to write a book right when he declared his candidacy, or was there a tipping point where you just said, okay, I have no choice now. I got to write this book. Well, first of all, I'm starting to get blisters typing emails to people. I'm so mad about this because I'm from a golfy family. We didn't cheat. My dad taught us to play, play it where it lies. That's what he always said. Mm -hmm. By the way, that's how the Bushes play. They play in two and a half hours and they shoot 105 and they don't care. They never touch the ball. You played with them? Uh... No, but uh, Ben Crenshaw is a good friend of mine. Oh, he okay. plays a lot. Uh, Obama. Yeah. You know, Michael Wilbon and Kornhauser. Oh, yeah, play with them. Very yeah. strict to the rules. This guy completely and even opposite. was, right, you played with Clinton. I will tell you that story. Okay. But, but anyway, that's a different kind of cheating. <laughs> but, um, but my family, we never cheated. Like, we just played the Riley Roundup, my family tournament. And nobody called in and said, hey, I won the tournament from Philly or from for the Singapore. We play it as it lies. That's how we were taught to play. This really bothered me. And because we hold this tournament in my dad's honor. And his, he was all about, doesn't matter what you score, just don't cheat your family or friends. And then this guy was getting away with telling people he's a 2.8 handicap when he's really a 10. I mean, Jack freaking Nicholas is 3.5. Yeah. <laughs> you think I'm, I'm going to bet you over Jack Nicholas? 
Because he's lying. You look on his handicap page, it takes 20 scores to get your handicap, right? He's taken eight years to get the 20 scores. When we know he played 66 times yeah. in 2018. So you cherry picker. He's just cherry picking his best scores. He's messing with the slopes and handicaps so it comes out even lower. And he's just so full of crap. You, he's just, as I say, he's so full of hot air, you could float him in the Macy's parade. <laughs> so it really bothered me. So that's when I started looking. At, so I thought, well, okay, maybe I'll write this for SI or Athletic or right. somebody. But then I started thinking, the world has to know what... Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about all this other stuff, but I definitely think they should know this guy is a cheater mm-hmm. because we just don't cheat in golf. I mean, I can remember Arnold Palmer saying, I, I remember one time we were playing, Arnold Palmer and I were going to play. And he goes, oh, another guy's going to join us. Okay, who is it? This guy I'm going to do business deal with. I'm not sure about him. And I always play golf with a guy before I sign a deal. I'm like, why? He said, because you can't hide who you are mm. in four hours. Golf will bring out the worst in you. And if you're going to cheat me out here, I know you're going to cheat me in golf. And if you're going to lose your temper out here, you're going to lose your temper in a business meeting. And I don't want any part of you. And that is so true, you know? It's, it, if you're going to cheat in golf, you're probably going to cheat on your taxes. You're going to cheat on your wife. You might cheat to win an election. You might cheat to, to <clears throat> screw up an investigation. You might lie about how you got money. You might lie how your bank... You might lie about a lot of stuff. And, you know... I always say golf is like bicycle shorts. It reveals a lot about him. (laughs) And it reveals a lot about him that he cheats at golf Mm -hmm. because it's so easy. It's like going into a baby cradle and just taking everything. Mm -hmm. You can do it, but what's it say about you? You are listening to the Commonwealth Club of California. Hear thousands of our podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And when you're in the Bay Area, please join us live for one of our 500 programs each year. You can find us online at CommonwealthClub.org. Now, back to our program. Well, and you suggest in the book that, um, because I wanted to ask you, how do you see that in in his governance? But you suggest in the book that he could be making decisions um, about that, uh, uh, that are in favor of where he has golf courses, like the countries he banned early on. Yeah. Those were the countries that you didn't remember, have his golf courses, but UAE and Saudi Arabia. Remember the Muslim ban, seven countries? Well, UAE wasn't in it. And the largest population of Muslims and who's had the most terrorists is Indonesia, and they weren't in it. Huh, that's interesting because Trump has two courses in the UAE, UAE and two in Indonesia. Um, Puerto Rico. Turns his back on Puerto Rico. People don't know that he had a course, he was running a course in Puerto Rico that he agreed to come in and save. And I'm going to bring my friends, all my celebrity friends down here. And I'm going to come down a lot. And Ivanka, and it's going to be great. And they're like, well, we don't, we, they, we've tried it now for a year, Mr. Trump, we give up. No, take out a loan from the government. So this golf course takes out $32 million loan from the Puerto Rican Bureau of Tourism. And then in the middle of the night, Trump and his boys pick up stakes and leave. And just leave him holding a $32 million bag. So no one seemed to care about that. But I mean, I'm not saying that's why he turned his back on Puerto Rico. I'm just saying that's twice he's turned his back on Puerto Rico. And then and, criticize them. Well, Florida, you know, was able to pull itself up. But, you know, Puerto Rico's bankrupt. Yeah. They didn't take care of themselves. So, yeah. And he's yeah. got courses in Florida and none in Puerto Rico. <clears throat> exactly. Okay. I'm going to ask a couple of these questions. Uh, I like We're already this. the questions? Well, I'm sprinkling them. Oh, I see. Their questions are better than mine, Rick. So I um, <clears throat> how do you feel about Tiger Woods' friendship with Trump? <laughs> and how do you feel about Tiger Woods? This is another half hour. I know. But it's well, a good question. I love the game. I don't like the man. He doesn't tip. He's not good with fans. He's really, really dirty. So I'm, I'm, I'm a Phil guy because Phil always tips hundreds no matter who it is. Tiger, I don't think Tiger's seen the inside of his wallet for like 10 years. Really? Yeah. But anyway, so how do I feel about Tiger and Trump's friendship? Okay. So uh, this came out during the campaign that Trump said, Tiger's a really, really good friend of mine. Tiger's people said, 
We can't stress enough that they are not in business together and there is no relationship. Tiger, though, is building a course, designing a course in the United Arab Emirates that Trump will run. And Trump's like, he's building a course for me, which he probably is. Trump probably lined him up for it. And um, but the Trump Tiger people wanted nothing to do with him. So then Tiger goes on uh, Stephen Colbert. This is like, I don't know, three months ago. Hey, tell us about all the presidents you play golf with. And uh, Tiger's like, oh, Bush, 41, 43, Clinton, Obama. And he stops. And they're like, and Colbert's like, well, what about Trump? And Tiger goes, you said presidents. Gets a big laugh from the crowd. In other words, this guy's no president. And he has this wry eating grin on his face. And so he clearly doesn't respect Trump Mm -hmm. as a president. And then Trump has said three times publicly, golf should be an aspirational sport. In other words, if you've made enough money and can join a country club, then you should be able to play golf. Can you freaking believe that? Mm -hmm. 89% of golf played in this country is played on public courses. It's a great game. Four hours, 35 bucks with your pals, beers. It's fantastic. You don't need to join a country club. But the... The, the, the hypocrisy of then giving a Fred, presidential medal of freedom to award to a guy who would have never played golf or had the chance to play golf if the president was running things. Tiger was, was the son of an army vet. He played, he played military courses. Lee Trevino, mm. he never played a country club until he was 25 years old. Seve, Arnold Palmer was the son of a pro who wasn't allowed in the clubhouse. So get the F out of here saying that only rich people. So how does Tiger accept that award when he's got to go back to the Tiger Woods Foundation where the whole point is, hey, let's teach at-risk kids golf and the joys of golf and the etiquette of golf and we'll also get them an education. What's he say to those kids? What's he say to first tee kids? Mm-hmm. And, but, if no, but no one ever brings up golf in, in the white, around the White House like, that's that's a big double standard, but I don't know. Is it the elitism of, of golf that um, Trump is so captivated by this? Why is he so captivated by this sport? Yes. It's yes. the elitism. He loves being better than you. And that's why. Better okay. than you just in a hierarchical, uh, on every level. He's better than you in every way. Well, I know that. <laughs> I know me, but. This is know. what he loved about golf. And, and I was talking to his old business partner. Okay. He got to, as soon as he realized he could play golf, hey, I want to join a country club. And that's where all the money is. And I'm going to show up, and you can't get in the gates. And then when they started to like, ah, oh, like Wingfoot, he can't get a game anymore. Joined Wingfoot. Can't get a game because he cheats. And no one's going to bet him. He cheats. So he left Wingfoot and started his own club. And that's why he started building his own clubs. Because I know he couldn't, he, there's two or three clubs he tried to get in in Los Angeles that wouldn't let him in. Really? Nobody wanted him around. Uh, he tried, he hinted about Augusta, couldn't get in there. Hey, if you're not going to let me in, I'll build my own courses. And then he's like, do you realize, <laughs> this guy, Trump Los Angeles, in the, uh, down by Palos Verdes, right? It's a, a terrible course. Beautiful views. But every hole is awful, and it's a plate of sausages, as we say, where every hole goes like this. He says it's better than Pebble Beach. Like, what? He said that a dozen times. Better than Pebble Beach. He's like, Pebble Beach is a toy compared to Trump Los Angeles. Well, no, and absolutely effing no. No way. Trump, Pebble Beach is always one, two, or three. It's my favorite course in the world. Meanwhile, Trump Los Angeles isn't even in the top 100 courses in California. But Trump doesn't care. He just lies and lies and lies. And in fact, if you go down there and wearing a Pebble Beach shirt, the staff is instructed to make you take off the shirt and put on a Trump Los Angeles shirt. You <laughs> cannot play golf in a Pebble Beach shirt. Like, what? Are we living in crazy ass times? Yeah, we are. We sure are. Like, who are you kidding? Yes. He is, he is the king, the emperor. He's he the king of yeah. crap. He's king crap twaddle. <laughs> yeah. Let's go with that. Okay. Uh, wondering, this person's wondering if this one is true. I heard that Trump wanted to build a seawall for a course in Scotland and wrote in the application that he needed the wall because of global warming. It's in the book. It is in the book. It's in the book. So I've been saying 
Trump uh, does says one thing to the rest of us, but when it comes to his real life and his golf courses, he lies his ass off. For instance, he said, pulling us out of climate change is a Chinese hoax. No, it isn't, but okay, you're pulling us out. But in the course he just left in Ireland, he's petitioning to build a 2,000-foot seawall. It's 10 feet high because, as it says in the application, climate change, quote-unquote, is causing rising sea levels, quote-unquote, that's ruining our fairways. And we have the right to defend our fairways. Like, well, which is it, Donald? <laughs> you know? Uh, he t- you remember when he was running for president, he said, I'm worth $9 billion or whatever he said. Well, how's that? Well, he listed every one of his golf courses as being worth $50 million. <laughs> now, that's insane. Like, I think only Pebble Beach... I think I don't know if anything, any other course besides Pebble Beach is worth maybe Cypress, $50 million. He says that, like, for instance, he said Trump Westchester is worth $50 million. Right now, he's suing the tax board there, saying it's only worth $1.4. <laughs> and the tax board's assessing it at about worth about $12 million. So that's a $48.6 million lie if you're keeping track at home. Unbelievable. I mean, just... I know. So why, you know, this is a good question. It's just golf. Imagine all the other lies, Joan. Exactly. Well, we see it in the paper every day. I think most people know he's a con artist. Why do they still like him? (laughs) What am I, Jake Tapper? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Why do people, I mean, people, friends of mine play golf with him. Like, why do you play golf with him? You saw him, like the other day in L.A., or not the other day, just before he ran, he hits it into the lake uh, on a course. Splash, splash. We all see the splash. I don't see the splash. They do, my buddies. Super Mario Kart. By the time they get there, it's on the fairway. What the hell, Donald? We're playing a money game. He's like, I don't know. It must have been the tide. Must have been the tide. Must have been the tide. (laughs) But, I mean, this is a guy that thinks windmills give you cancer. Right, that's true. I'm like, yeah. If standing in front of blowing air gave you cancer, no one would stand in front of you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, you do have the story about Mike Tirico. Yeah. You know, and he just, and he cheated Mike Tirico. Well, you tell the story, and he paid up the, it's like, why do people do that? Mike, Mike Tirico, Tirico one of the, the nicest guys in the history of the world, is an announcer for NBC. <laughs> He's playing, this is before Trump was president, uh, Trump and John Gruden, Raiders coach. Oh, Las Vegas Raiders. Sorry. Oh. Raiders coach, and then uh, Tariko and uh, another guy. And uh, Super Mario Kart, Tariko hits this fantastic shot, 230 yards up to a blind green on a par five. So Tariko's going to have a putt for Eagle. Now, I don't know if Mike Tariko's ever made a putt for Eagle. <laughs> it's going to be the greatest thing that's ever happened to him. No, but he's so excited. And he and the caddy just can't wait to get up there. But there's only one guy in a cart, and that's Trump and his caddy. The time they get up there, no ball. They check the hole. No, not in there. What the? They find it in the bunker 40 yards left. And they're like, did it hit a drone? What the <laughs> hell happened? And they check the mark, and it's Tariko's ball. And they can't believe it. And he leaves that one in there, chops it out, three putts, makes a double bogey. Pays Trump the 20 bucks. Of course, Trump buys lunch. He's very charming. Get back to the um, parking lot, and the caddy says, Trump kicked your ball into the bunker. I watched him do it. So there's a certain circle of hell reserved <laughs> for people who not only, I mean, I've played with cheaters before, not like this guy, but okay, you're cheating, but I've never heard of someone making your score worse <laughs> for 20 bucks <laughs> against the nicest guy ever. So I said, what did you say? He's like, what can you say? You know, he's the president. And I mean, he's, he didn't say that. It's his course. He's buying. Uh, he's going to buy you lunch. He's kind of fun. <laughs> Is yeah. he kind of fun? He's kind of fun. In what I asked way? James Patterson. You know James Patterson? He's played with him twice now. And I said, what's it like? Why do you put up with it? He's like, well, you're with the president, and you're playing in three hours, and you're blowing through people, and nobody's putting out, and you have no idea what's going on, and there's Secret Service, and the missile, and the porta bomb, and, and you're like, what's it? And there's G, and uh, it's over in three hours, and he goes, I don't know what it was. It wasn't golf. <laughs> and then here's 
This is what I found out. So at Trump Washington, he plays Trump Washington a lot, but this is how it is at every course. He finishes the round in three hours. There's no putting out. He says he won. He takes the 20 bucks. He brags about it. Then he sits at a big round table in the grill. And there's a Secret Service guy in every corner of the men's grill. And there's one Secret Service guy with the cook and one Secret Service guy with the waiter. And he orders uh, always 10 cheeseburgers, 10 orders of fries, 10 Cokes, ice cream. And, and anybody can come sit at this round table, not just the guys who played with him. Okay. And um, it's so great if you're like a Chinese spy. Because all you got to do is be in there that day and you can, and you got your little thumb drive or whatever it is. And, um, and that's where he got caught uh, at, Mar- at Bedminster saying, White House is an effing dump. He had said it to oh, these people. Oh, right. Yeah. And, uh, and so some of the stuff I got was from stuff he said, sitting around the table, blabbering crazily. But he is a good host. Well, those burgers. Those and burgers and fries. Oh, yeah. We see what he does for those teams who go and visit all oh, the, yeah. you know, as many cold hamburgers as yeah. you want. Yeah. Wait a minute. I blew out my knee and you're giving me cold Wendy's? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay, another question. If I was playing around with him, how could I possibly get under his skin? Oh, wow. <laughs> um, let's see you putt that one, Donald. No one ever really? says that to him. His, you, know, you know the circle of friendship when you're playing golf? Circle of friendship is like, if it's inside like a two-foot radius, we all go, that next one's good, and just add one. It's called a gimme, right? That next one's a gimme, pick it up. And you just add one to your score. Well, his circle of friendship for himself is like the size of a Winnebago. <laughs> like he's just raking left and right. But I was talking to Mike Ruzioni, and like, I'm like, he, so how was it like? Well, he goes, uh, I play with him like for 14 holes and I'm like, Mr. President, you're pretty good at taking them, but you're not too good at giving them. Everyone else has to putt them. But no, I'll make that. And he got caught on MSNBC once. Did you see this? He's putting with Ernie Els, playing with and he misses a putt and it power lips out. Have you ever seen a power lip? Yeah. And, it, and it's like a four, three foot putt that goes six feet and they're playing the hole. And he rakes it, picks it up. God knows. Did you see the thing that happened at uh, Ireland this week he's on the 18th hole and usually and in America they keep anybody out with a camera no one can film him but this somehow some locals got in he's got he's just the worst chipper in the world he cannot chip he's got a pretty good swing he hits it pretty far kind of long and wrong irons aren't bad <laughs> terrible chipper we don't know how he putts um, <laughs> but he can't chip and he's terrible out of bunkers because his caddies always kick it out of bunkers <laughs> he's terrible out of any long lie because they kick it out Pele you know <laughs> so anyway he's got this 20 yard chip up <clears throat> over a bunker chip gets halfway there comes back to his feet chips back to his feet finally gets it on the crowd goes good for you mister and he says he's won 20 club championships Get the F out of here. You can't chip. You ain't winning anything. Um, this person wants to know, <coughs> if you follow basketball, who do you think, think carefully on this, who do you think is going to win the championship and why? You're asking me with two games to go? <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh. Think about your answer carefully. Oh, uh, well. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Well, I have this uh, charity called Nothing But Nets, and we put nets above kids in Africa because if they get bit by a mosquito before they're six years old, they're probably going to die. And so I came up with this idea of, like, sports fans, we love nets, right? You know, cutting down nets, jump over nets, New Jersey nets, cheerleaders <laughs> and fish nets. I don't know, nets. <laughs> We're crazy about nets. So I was like, if you've ever loved nets, send me 10 bucks. That's all you needed to hang a net. Well, we just passed sixty-five million dollars. Oh my God! It's unbelievable, Rick. right? That's Ten years, great. let's say twelve years now. It's called Nothing But Nets Net. Well, one year Steph Curry came and hung nets with us. Oh. And I'm like, Steph, I'm so glad you're here. It's just so great. And he goes, Oh, thanks. I'm glad to do it. No, because you're tall and it's hard <laughs> to hang. Well, there's Steph Curry, and I remember we uh, we played this game against this. It's always at refugee camps, so the refugee camp will have a little team. And he and I played against him. And uh, Steph was trying not to get 
hurt. It was a hundred million dollar athlete. And uh, it was very odd because they, I don't think they knew who, who he was yet. Yeah. And he dunked in jeans and no one said anything. And I'm like, you just freaking dunked. You're no taller than me. And he goes, I know, they have no idea how hard that was. <laughs> so I'm a huge Steph fan. He's, he's done so much for us. He even He came up with a shoe and donated all the profits to Nothing But Nets. Really? So of course I think, I hope they win. It's yeah. going to be hard, though. It is going to be, gonna be hard. hard. I mean, it's huge emotional letdown after what they did in Game 5. I mean, it's gonna, hopefully they can get up again. But then, well, I don't know. And get behind KD. But just, win it for KD. Was that the most hard? Just sports can be so heartless. Am I right, Joan? It is. Here's a guy, battles back, wants to play. He's dancing in the hallway. He's, he's hot as can be. I know. He's like, I'm back, baby. Makes his first four shots, 12 points in 11 minutes. Snap. And now not only, I know. Not only is he out for the end of the titles, games, which he wanted so desperately to play, he's not going to be back next year. And that's just so sad because it takes at least a year for this. That's June of next year. I know. I know. And he's such a great kid. And Well, you know, and, and uh, I was thinking about this. You, and I didn't put it in my notes. But there's this great quote from you that I think you included in your last column of, life, of the life of Riley that you talked about why sports matters. And I wanted to just in general ask you about that. I mean, you, you know, you wrote 2 million words about sports, you, you know, since you were 20. This is all you wrote about. Yeah. Why does it matter? And why did it matter to, you know, spend your career writing about sports? You know, I was raised, I had a drunk dad. He was just drunk. He was never there. And um, I was a wild kid. And I remember... I got a job. I was still in college. I was eight, 19 years old. And I'd never had any discipline at all. And I remember writing this kind of nasty thing in the local newspaper. Because I had a 40-hour-a-week job. And this coach took me inside. It was about, I was covering the ladies' basketball team. This guy took me, the coach, Sox Walseth was his name. And he took me in. He said, you, you can't just burn people like that. You've got a long life. These are real people with families, and you've hurt this man today. And you should feel ashamed. You, you can't go around doing this. You're going to have a very short career. And I remember crying, crying. This guy held me. And then I started thinking about it as I got older. Like, I was kind of raised by these men. I was raised by good men. Uh, Dan Reeves, Denver Broncos. John Wooden really helped me. Uh, God, I mean, I can remember John Wooden, we were going to do a book. You remember John Wooden, his wife died? And um, I, I would always go to his house for his birthday. And I noticed one year that he had this, he still had uh, all these love letters to his wife. He wrote a love letter every month and tied them up in a little bundle. Mm. And uh, he put them on the side of the bed he didn't sleep on. He was still in love with Nell. Mm. And it had been 15 years. And so I said, Coach, let's write a book about how to make love last. And we'll use these love letters and we'll donate the money. Okay, that's great. Let's do that, Rick. And so come back when I come back in one month and and I'll and we'll start talking about it. So I come back in one month and I rang the doorbell. And, and his condo in Encino, right? And no answer, no answer, and he always answered. So I jumped the fence, knocked on the door. And he never was late. He never missed an appointment. Knock, 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 and I'm I'm knocking him. It's been 15 minutes. Finally, he opened the door, and uh, he was crying. He was just crying like this. Coach wouldn't. And he said, it's too soon. Mm. He goes, Rick, it's too soon. I can't do it. Mm. And there, it's guys like that that taught me about everything, you know? And, and so why does... I'll never forget in 9-11, when that, when that flight left Boston and was headed to here, Right? Four guys realized the plane, they, everybody realized the plane was going to be it was a suicide plane. Four m- men who'd been trained in sports came up with a plan. It was that rugby player mm. who turned out to be gay. It was a baseball player who played college ball, a college basketball player, and a track star. Mm. And they made a plan in 
the deepest of pressure. And they executed this plan, and they knew they were going to die. Mm. And those were the guys that busted through with the, with the drink cart. Mm-hmm. And that plane was headed for the Pentagon. Or it was headed for the Capitol building. Capitol building. My niece was working that day in the, in the Capitol building for Senator Lane of Illinois. And those guys saved, I think they probably saved my niece's life. I don't know. But sports teaches you about teamwork, you know, and, and, and I'll never forget there was this cross-country runner named Ben Coleman, South Carolina, and his teammates would finish the three miles in 17 minutes, and he would finish in 53 minutes. And the problem was he, he had cerebral palsy, so his right side <clears throat> couldn't keep up with his left. And in, in, in cross-country, you got to run over hills and straight, and he would fall. And he'd cut up his face and his whole right side was scarred. And his mom begged him to quit and his coach begged him to quit. And Ben Coleman said, I can't quit. And they said, why? He says, I can't quit on my team. Mm. But he never figured in a match. So the teammates got tired of waiting for him. So they'd go out and run the last mile and a half Mm. back. They'd run a mile and a half out again and run it back with him. But you can't touch a guy in cross country. That's against the rules. So they would run at this incredibly slow pace. He'd fall. They'd wait. He'd get up, run again, fall. And they did. then the girls' team started running with him. Then the cheerleaders started mm. running with him. And his last meet of the year, with six teams in the meet, all six teams ran with Ben Coleman while the parents waited in just mm. tears as this group of 200 kids. It didn't matter who won. Mm. It was about just being there for each other, you know? And I mean, it just chokes me up remembering this story. So I get this email from uh, Kevin Costner, the actor. I want you to know that was, I cried about that column and Ben Coleman's my new hero. And I want you to know and tell him that I will pay for his education no matter how far he goes. He was in high school at the time. And I'm like, okay. And Ben Coleman is now a doctor. So, like, we just stuck it to Kevin Costner. So wow. <laughs> wow. But really? you know what I mean? Did you write a, that follow-up? Yeah. To that? Oh, my God. I mean, it's just so, 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 you know, okay. People say, what does it matter? Like, I go to these things, and there's always somebody in a red hat. Well, what does it matter? <laughs> okay, he cheats. Well, it matters to me, you know? My dad, as much as a, he, he sobered up his last 25 years of life. And he, every day he wore a yellow shirt. And the reason he wore a yellow shirt was because Jack Nicholas wore a yellow shirt in 86 when he won the Masters. You remember? <laughs> he came from out of nowhere. Remember? Uh, he hadn't won in four years. He could hardly see the ball land. And this incredible underdog, if you can call Jack Nicholas an underdog, wins the Masters. The reason he wore a yellow shirt that day was because a kid who was dying of leukemia sent him a note the week before. Mr. Nicholas, you're my hero. Would you wear a yellow shirt on Sunday so I know you got this letter? Oh, wow. So he wore a yellow shirt. He wins the Masters. He's my dad's favorite player, and my dad knows the story. So for the rest of his days, from 86 until 2000 when he died, he wore a yellow shirt. Every day. We had to keep buying him new shirts because they're threadbare. So we buried him in the yellow shirt. Wow. And we had, and two days ago, we had the yellow, sh- we all wear yellow shirts. So it matters to me. It matters. It mattered to my dad. You don't get to just screw up my sport. You don't get to drive on greens. You don't get to just lie to people about, no one says they won the Riley Roundup when they were somewhere else. You, you don't get to, you, you don't get to cheat at my sport. Uh, go ahead. You, other reporters will take care of the taxes and the, all this other lying he's doing. But this really pisses me off. And that's why I wrote the book. Because, I mean, I practically got blisters. I, I just had to write this book. And I don't know. I think it's, I don't know if it mattered to people or not. I, I hope it did. But it's a new way of looking at him. It's a, it's a Rorschach test for who he is. It's so easy to cheat at this. You just don't. And it, I have no respect for him. Purely on the golf thing. Well, it's a Warshak test for America, too. I mean, if you know all of this about him, 
and you can still pull that. Well, we don't pull levers anymore in the poll, but if you can still vote for him and you know all of this. So, I mean, you're around the golf courses and the country clubs and, you know, I mean, obviously you don't know who voted for him and who didn't. Did do you have an insight after doing all of this reporting and talking to so many people who know he did all this and still play with him and still are friends with him? Did it give you any kind of insight into the people, you know, why America actually did put him in the White House? I think they got sold a bullshit story. And they needed to know him before that. I, I was wish I was could tell people, but he's full of it. He's not a billionaire. He's not a good businessman. He's not a good golfer. He's not a good husband. He's, this is all bull. And they think he's some kind of... Do you remember when you were six years old and uh, the, the guy Scrooge McDuck and he had his name on buildings and $100 coming out of his socks yeah. and he was a fellow, dove into a swimming pool full of gold coins. And somehow I think Americans thought this is what we were going to have. And we were all going to be diving into swimming pools full of gold coins. Well, it's, it's bull. It's bull. And so I've had people say, you know, I voted for him and, and I can put up with a, a lot of things and I like his policies, but I cannot stand a cheater. And a lot of people say the same thing. My mom can't stand him. She voted for him, but now she's finding out what a cheater he is at golf. Because the reason this rings true with people is because there's no abortion attached to it. Mm. There's not an immigration attached to it. There's not how much he cheated on his taxes or whatever. It's just golf, but it matters because how you do one thing Mm -hmm. is how you do everything. Mm -hmm. And if you can cheat at golf and cheat your friends, and I keep thinking of Arnold Palmer, he wouldn't do business with this guy. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I wouldn't do business with with him either. And I hope people don't vote for him. And it would it's going to kill my sales if he doesn't win. <laughs> I don't give a damn. Oh, you know. Oh yeah. I mean, I want my peace of mind back. <laughs> Is there anything you like about this guy? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that day when we played golf, and he's a great copy. And it was crazy, and I couldn't believe what the hell it was just happened. And it's like, you know, he's the tornado and you're the trailer. It's just, woo! <laughs> and all of a sudden, I was being spit out on the uh, out of the limo on Fifth Avenue. And he rolls down the window. Oh, it was a lot of fun. Okay. And I said, uh, so, Don, you want to do it again tomorrow? And he goes, you know, for most people, one day of me is enough. <laughs> and... If you're listening, Donald, one term of you is enough, okay? (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Are we, how'd we do? Are you okay? We still have a couple more minutes? Oh, okay. Oh, Clinton, okay, Clinton. All right, Clinton's strong. So the difference between Clinton cheats, the way Clinton cheats, and the way Trump cheats is the difference between the guy that comes into the bank and steals the pen Versus the vault. You know what I mean? Because Trump really wants to just win. He doesn't really love golf. He just wants to beat you. Clinton loved golf and he never got to play. So I played with him as president. And he was so into it. And, but he was cheating. But in a, he didn't realize like he had 24 clubs in his bag. And the limit's 14. And he had this 75-year-old caddy who was like listing like this. And so he hits the, he swings like this. He, and he's fun. And he's like, off his toes and the ball would go way right. And so he'd play, ostensibly he'd play the first ball and the secret service would go to that ball. But then he'd hit all these, what we call billigans. This is not a mulligan. This is a billigan and he's not going to play it, but it is cheating because it's two shots per time. You do that because it's practice. And so, and all these secret service guys and Marines are with us in the card and the chief of protocol and SWAT guys are like, what's a SWAT guy going to do it? Yeah. <laughs> you going to wrestle down a squirrel or something. <laughs> and so he's hitting all these shots way right. And the poor caddy's having to get these and come back and to get these and come back. And on the eighth hole, the caddy just got sick of it. And he goes, stay off your toes. You ain't no damn ballerina. <laughs> and like the secret service guys are, what? And, and the chief of protocol is like, <laughs> and like even the squirrels are like <laughs> and I'm like holy crap if we were in if we were in Iran right now this caddy's tongue would be cut out right and then we'd go find his kids and cut those tongues out and then we'd wait for the kids to have kids and their tongues would be cut out right and like what's gonna happen we're all looking at Clinton and he goes sorry my bad I'll work on it 
the big difference. Well, huge thank you to Rick thank Riley. You. <laughs> thank you. And uh, a reminder that uh, that there are going to be copies of Rick's book out ah. there. That are you going to stick around and sign them for? Five bucks. Or five, five bucks, bucks to sign them. Um, I'm Joan Ryan, and now this meeting of the Commonwealth Club, the place where you're in the know, is adjourned. Oh, wow. Where'd you get that? Only special people. <laughs>